everyone to the rest podcast where our goal is to help each and every one of you displace confusion chaos and dis-ease in order to heal and find significance in life today in this new series the hunger that drives me we will be addressing the common question of what's holding me back and the principles of liberty and freedom to help us with this topic is one of Virginia's longtime mentors, Ms. Catherine Dang, president and founder of the Philomath Foundation. Thank you for joining. Well, you're very welcome. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy that you're here too. And hi, Virginia. Hi. <laughs> All right. So today's podcast is essentially foundations to rest. Virginia, on many levels, today's podcast will give context for much of what you speak to. As I know, Miss Dang's mentorship has helped you reason through these principles of liberty and their consequence and helping people break free from anything that ails them. That is so well said. It's comprehensive. It's exactly what we're about. Mm. And Natalie, you and I discussed when we began thinking about putting a podcast together, it was really to continue to support the work that we began with the patients at the clinic and many of my clients. We wanted them to have a resource, right? Right. That they could continue going back to without coming in for appointments to reinforce some of the things we'd worked through. Right. But when we started this podcast, we decided that in 2021, this would be the year that we would establish the foundation for rest to explain it, relational, emotional, spiritual truth, and develop the framework from which to reason the significance of things we would otherwise overlook and find the significance and reasoning in order to displace the confusion, chaos, and dis-ease that often compounds and causes us a great deal of trouble. Mm. And I think so far... We are successful in doing that. I agree. Today, while speaking with Catherine, actually, this morning, we discussed how bondage to our physical impulses enslaves us and obstructs the fullest expression of freedom to satisfy the deepest hunger of our soul. For some time, I've observed that people are living in the shallow things of life. I think we're finally realizing that we can't dive into those shallow waters without breaking our neck, right? but as a result of standardized education and a number of things that, in my opinion, have dumbed down a generation, I'm finding that people have this deep hunger to leave the shallow things of life for deeper waters because they are dying there. Yeah. It's the bottom line. Mm -hmm. And I think our discussion today is going to address how to change that dynamic Mm -hmm. relatively quickly. In the fullness of time... Catherine came into my life where I probably found myself very uncomfortable with this limited way of thinking about mental health, about wellness, about relationships, about every sphere of government, from our soul to our families to our faith institutions to government. And Randy Lee Harris said, I found your missing link. She heard Catherine speak. And when Catherine came into my life, I knew that this was a hinge for me. Mm-hmm. It was a, a pivot. I'd been working on principles of rest for many, many years. She came into my life about 20 years into that pilgrimage. And when I heard her speak, it was like I was on a pilgrimage through a desert that became denser and denser and denser with every year that I was in school and in graduate school. Yeah. And when I met her, 
it was like I stumbled upon an oasis. It quenched the thirst of my soul. It filled in so many gaps in my own thinking. And I want to share that with everyone. So the hungers that drove me were to displace confusion, chaos, and dis-ease that I saw as a young child when we immigrated to this country. And that understanding only compounded with time. That was mm-hmm. the hunger that drove me. Yeah. But Catherine, with one question, cleared up so much fog for me. And the relationship that continued for 20 years has been instrumental in shaping my life's work. And so I am so happy to have you here, Catherine. I want you to pick up right there <laughs> and talk about that for a minute. Okay. Well, it's my joy to have these many encounters I have with Virginia. Yeah, she remembers that first encounter. And ever since then, we have been so tied together by our common hunger for truth. Do you remember the first question you asked me? Oh, yes. What is government? I said, (laughs) you you know, there was this wonderful looking woman sitting in the back somewhere in in the room, and she showed interest. She began to reveal to me her knowledge and her background, and she's a very accomplished woman by right in so many different fields in business, in psychology, and she's a psychiatrist in the past. So I simply said, okay, please give me your definition of government. And she could tell you better how I treated her, but she studiously sat down right there and then and began to document this dense paragraph and she I did with, right then and then I was with, so excited with for the confidence <laughs> with confidence you know and a surety certainty mm-hmm. because she is truly a scholar and aspiring thinker in many ways so she hands me this piece of paper and I was I really re- proud of it at the and time. I read it <laughs> and I had an anxiety oh attack oh my I thought <laughs> what I'm going to tell this beautiful woman about this paragraph since I have been teaching about government for almost 30 years. Do you remember what you told me? Yes, I did. I said, this sounds good, but it doesn't say anything. Ooh. And I, that was the kindest way I could have put it, I thought. <laughs> and you know what? She received it. She was a humble individual, not one that was wanting to tell me what she knew. But she was willing and eager to to know more. And that's a teacher's dream, to have a student like that. Mm -hmm. And when she asked for more, how could I resist? And she continues to ask for more. And I continue to learn from her questions as well. And I think we saw, I saw, I witnessed the really beginnings of rest. It was churning in her for years, and it began to find expression. And you've heard the Great Wall of China. Well, we have the Great Wall of Rest, I would go to her home, and she would hang sheets and sheets of art paper, I think it was. And they're giant sticky. Giant (laughs) stickies all over her wall. And we would go from sticky to sticky as she tried to illustrate and diagram the ideas she was receiving into the language of her expertise. Mm -hmm. And that is reading the mind and the hearts of people. Right, And that's so important. So as a teacher, I simply was a sounding board and made some corrections in her vocabulary. And year after year, her vocabulary became a vocabulary that would free people yeah. from confusion, chaos, and disease. 
And it was miraculous to see it unfold. Six words that changed my life. I well, remember those. They, they, those were the same changes that came to me mm-hmm. in my early years of learning this and seeking to know truth mm-hmm. clearly and practically as well, not just simply preached but actually implemented into individual lives that gives them a foundation, foundation of rest, a foundation of growth, a foundation for life. Quick question. You mentioned those six vocabulary words in that language of liberty. What are those that brought you that freedom and that you use in your general practice? We talked about a handful of words that were instrumental in changing how I viewed life. You taught me the difference between liberty and freedom, liberty being an internal function of the soul, freedom being the consequence. Right. And never to confuse those. That was foundational. You taught me about the internal function and the external consequence, by the way, of these words before I go forward. You taught me the difference between right and wrong versus lawful and unlawful the conscience bearing witness to distinguish between those things and not external circumstances. You taught me the difference between good and bad and just and unjust. What you actually did is you taught me the language of liberty. You taught me to move my entire way of reasoning from observing and commentating on external circumstances to an internal conversation this external analysis to an internal observation and reason. It was just transformational on so many levels, and it continues to be. And we're going to do a whole podcast on this. You and I will talk about this at length in other segments. But today, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the hunger that drives us and your observations and what really holds us back. What drives us, what holds us back, is the stress which comes from the conflicts, from being driven by our impulses. And so we want to understand that there are habits that we have practiced or have have been transmitted to us from our past that use the wrong method to satisfy our hungers. And we use our impulses habitually, which is the impulses of our body, rather than reasoning from within ourselves the best satisfying end result. Yes, and often these impulses are reactive. They tend to violate something within us, causing a great deal of stress. Well, that stress comes from the conflicts that we Mm -hmm, have between our impulses and our best sense of reasoning. Yes, it does. And I want to inject here, yes, our reason is what balances our temperaments. It is something that is not injurious to anyone, ourselves, or any other person. So reason displaces confusion, which means it's clear. It's a clarity of understanding what is true and what isn't true. We have to rely upon our ability in our soul to reason our circumstances. So basically, one of two things drive us, impulses or reason. Right. And reason really addresses and speaks to what is reasonable, and it injures no one, right. self or others. Reason is always balanced, and it's never in excess. Never in excess. And where, 
really a slave to our impulses. Mm -hmm. I think it has been ingrained in us by education or by lack of knowledge that we are more than flesh and bones. We have a soul. So in fact, what's holding us back is this conflict with ourselves. Absolutely. And the tension between the impulses behind our reactivities and the highest calling of our conscience. Absolutely. Yes, when we are in conflict and at war within ourselves, we become in conflict with others, cause and effect. So the internal operations within our minds, our hearts, and our spirit are manifested in our relationships in the home, in society in general. And I think what's interesting is when we don't harness this internal dialogue within ourselves and when we're not able to identify the things that drive us, right? It disintegrates the support system we have around us because the chaos we often think and the confusion, we have a tendency to analyze what's happening outside of us instead of first going to that internal focus of control to say, wait a second, What's at war within myself and what am I drawing from? Am I being reactive or am I reasoning in this? And what tools, which is another big conversation, but what tools am I using to reason? And the consequence of much of the confusion and the chaos and the disease we find ourselves in comes really from the conflict within ourselves. Absolutely. And we don't even know what the conflict is sometimes. That's the confusion. And we have mixed the that which is just with the unjust. How does a person determine what's just and unjust? He has to seek what is true, learn the truth for himself. I, I want to ask, can we give a quick definition of just and unjust? Because that was something when I went through counseling with Virginia, I didn't even understand what those words meant. Now I use that word more often than not in describing things in my life. Check me on this, Catherine. Instead of saying that is wrong, right? I think, wait, is this lawful or unlawful? Mm-hmm. Then I think the law of God is written in the heart of man. The conscience bears witness. Mm-hmm. So to determine what's just and unjust, I consult my, the highest calling of my conscience. Mm-hmm. And when I consult my conscience to see if this is just or unjust, and in consulting my conscience is usually where I determine the justice of something. And then I realize I don't have the right or the liberty to infringe on another person's capacity or another person's right mm-hmm. to have their own process. So I find myself learning how to listen better yeah. as I go through that line of thinking. What's lawful and unlawful? What's just and unjust? And I kind of go and I start analyzing. And it always draws me to conflicts that I have within myself. Mm-hmm. And I realize, wait a minute, I'm looking at it from this perspective, but this person is another individual. And they have the right to reason for themselves. They have the right to reason for themselves and come to their own conclusion. And then it lays a foundation for a healthier conversation. It's changed my life. So would you say that just and unjust, just is something that does not violate your conscience, whereas unjust is something that violates your conscience? Well, just it's a little is, bit more than that. It's more than that? You want to be in a place where you're not biased, you're unprejudicial, mm-hmm. you're not prejudging, you're equitable. That's the balance. Okay. It's like the scales of justice, do you see, where they're not tilted a certain way, are colored in your favor or against yourself. It's not excessive in any form. Mm-hmm. So that's why it, it isn't violating yourself or anyone else. Okay. 
It isn't infringing. It isn't trespassing. Okay. All right? Mm-hmm. And so you're, there's equality, mm-hmm. equity. I don't call it equality. It's equity. not equality. Equity. It's equity. Equitable. Equity mm-hmm. inclusion. It's a sort of a, a win-win situation. Mm-hmm. No one loses at your expense, or Got you don't it. gain at somebody else's expense. Got it. And this is jumping into really deep waters quickly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're going to do an entire segment on the language of liberty. I think that would be great. And why it's instrumental to sustain freedom. Mm-hmm. Freedom and liberty are not the same thing. Mm-hmm. One is the external consequence of the other. And that's why we know that our founding fathers, not to get even deeper, but our <laughs> founding fathers, and I, I think it was Adams that said, America will cease to be, if when America ceases to be good, we'll cease to be. Because this form of government was meant for a moral people. Right. And I think it's paraphrased. Nevertheless, for a free, loving nation, it is imperative to understand and restore language of liberty. So I'm going to do a whole segment on this with Catherine. But we're talking about reasoning. This mm-hmm. is how we reason. Yes. On these terms. Yes. And the other is cloud issues. Right. Because then it becomes relative to us. Yeah. And we're talking about reactions being impulses versus response being reasoning. Properly. Yeah. And I guess more in layman's terms is looking at the positive and negative consequences of whatever action you decide. You weigh them. Right. And you'll always know because one just hurts. Yeah. And the other will not. Peace. There's peace. Peace. And now I I have a question in that when making a very difficult decision that can cause you personal pain, but you know that it's the best decision out of however many, for example, losing a relationship because that person is not adding value to your life, whether it be toxic or what have you, that can be very painful because some of those relationships can be 25 years long. Some of them can be However, you know, it can be a parent, it can be a family member, but you have to cut that off despite your love for them. Right. But the, the love means to remove that mm-hmm. toxic love of self and love for the other person mm-hmm. because you are aiding and abetting the, the toxicity. Do you understand? That it's not loving to aid and abet something that is evil, destructive. Mm-hmm to themselves that's unlawful or unjust right right it is not life-giving yeah it's not love to feed and to support something that is unlawful and unjust it is painful to love well because it means doing hard things yeah we were talking about this today and i think that there is still peace in that because you know that it's coming from a place of love but not it's liberating yeah exactly you it's painful ch- but liberating you love your child yeah. Because you say no. Mm-hmm. I love you too much to say yes. Yeah. Do you understand? No mm-hmm. means I love you as much as yes. Yes. In proper circumstances. Right. People need to understand they are more than body or flesh. That that soul is universal to every human being. And in that soul is a mind to reason. There's a conscience to judge. There are affections to give or take away. Okay, so the a solid takeaway for today, something just simple that everyone can walk away with is be intentional about discerning when you are driven by impulse or your reactivities and or 
when you are governed by reason. We want to encourage you to consult the highest calling of your conscience. Remember, this is what you're accountable for, is your conscience. The takeaway for today is make a list with two columns. On one side, put emotions. On the other, put feelings. Remember that emotions are external. They're expressions of feelings. They are reactive, impulsive, and rarely reasoned through. Feelings, on the other hand, are internal. They are the root cause. They are not reactive. They have deep roots, anger, happy, sad, confused. And perhaps one of the most important things you can do is take your pulse throughout the day and ask yourself, how am I feeling? You're delving into the deep areas of your soul and you'll find if you begin to document two or three feelings throughout the course of the day when you're dealing with different things that they will explain a great deal of what you're emoting. Mm -hmm. And there'll be more on this in future podcasts. I want to ask a quick question as well of an example of an emotion. Outrage. She's emoting outrage. Anger. Judgment. She's really judgmental. Outrage is a good example of an emotion. There's usually yelling. Yelling. Yeah. Um, Well, that's kind of an action, but an emotion is I feel outrage, right? Okay. Well, no, you feel pain. You feel sadness. You feel hurt. You feel violated. Okay. So it's the way that it's being expressed Expressed. versus the way that it's internalized. One is an expression of an internal feeling. Got it. Emotions is the outward working of an internal root cause. Perfect. And if we can learn to listen to each other well and ask each other, tell me a little bit about how you feel. It's an opportunity to not react to what another person's emoting, and I can listen with my heart. I always say, listen with your heart and hear with your ears, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So anyway, the books that we'd like to recommend is the book of Proverbs, because I think it speaks in powerful ways to the human condition, and the book of James. And of course, I would like everybody to introduce everyone to the book Soul Hunger in that order. I'd recommend those books. (laughs) Catherine, thank you so much for joining me for this segment. I'm looking forward to speaking to you. Well, you're welcome, and I appreciate this opportunity to be with you. Awesome. Thank you both. To learn more about Catherine Dang and the Philomath Foundation, please go to philomathfoundation.com. That's P-H-I-L-O mathfoundation.com. For updates about rest and this podcast, visit our Instagram, The Place of Rest. If you would like more information about Virginia or to support us and join the cause of rest, please go to virginiadixon.com forward slash collaborate. We look forward to talking with you again.